0: Welcome to the Quantum Biology Podcast, where we break down the practical strategies of the emerging science, starting with healthy light habits and going wherever the quantum superhighway takes us. This is your host, Meredith Oak, QBC co-founder and executive coach, with a friendly reminder, Podcasts are conversations, not consultations. Though if you're looking for one, check out our practitioner directory. Or if you are a practitioner, we have an upcoming certification launching July 17th. All the info is on our website, quantumbiologycollective.com. In this episode, we sit down with Rachel Tudor, a former ballet dancer who became a practitioner and internationally recognized presenter on fascia and biotensegrity, a new paradigm of anatomy that is based in a non-linear understanding of the body as a holistic organism. Rachel's 30 plus years of experience working with the gradual healing processes of the body ended up saving her own life when she was struck down with a full-scale debilitating autoimmune reaction to a pharmaceutical product in 2021. This conversation covers Rachel's journey to understanding the body at a quantum level and the patience and perseverance it takes to stay on the healing path. Enjoy. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Rachel. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you. Um, Hi, thank you. Yes. So you are um, a wonderful student in the applied quantum biology community, like just brought so many great insights to the conversation through many different channels and many different experiences, which we will get into. But I wanted to start with your background as a movement specialist and particularly your understanding of fascia. So could you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Sure. Well, my first background um, is in ballet. Uh, And um, so I studied ballet and um, did some performing and then became a ballet teacher. And from there, I um, encountered Pilates like many dancers do. (laughs) and Mm -hmm. studied Pilates and certified in Pilates. Um, And all of that led me to, of course, wanting to understand more about the body. Uh, I think especially if you're going to be teaching, that's a much different thing than doing yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I really wanted to dive more into anatomy and um, kinesiology and things like that. Uh so I started a lot of classes in self-education when that how that was concerned. That uh led me to Fascia. <laughs> <laughs> and um fascia gosh probably back in the early 2000s, you know, uh um when anatomy trains came out. Uh Tom Myers book anatomy trains the very first edition. I would say that was my first foray uh deeper
0: into the world of
1: fascia. Okay. I think it's a lot So I just people.
0: want to pause for a sec for someone who's new to all this or who's not in this world. What is fascia? What like what are we even okay. talking about here? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no problem. I'm like, doesn't
1: everybody know? <laughs> no, I, you know, I was
0: thinking I just jumped right in there and I'm like, well, you know what? There was a time not so long ago I couldn't have told you what fascia was. <laughs> So.
1: Right, well, and I would say still, you know you'll get you'll get some argument about what fascia is depending on who you're talking to. That is um, true.
0: okay. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> um, what I would how I would answer that question is that fascia is um, the it's what makes you basically fascia connective tissue if you want to call it that, um, that goes from macro to micro. so it goes from just under the surface of your skin. All the way down into the depths of every cell. So it is your communication organ and it connects absolutely everything from you, from cellular level all the way out to just underneath the surface of your skin. So if we were to take absolutely everything else away and just leave your fascia, there you would be. Right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Right.
1: So that would be my definition of fashion. Uh, okay.
0: Yeah. It, I think it's necessarily... metaphor. So I think of it yeah. as like the quantum superhighway of the body. Yeah. I think of it <laughs> but as I that don't too. really know the yeah. technical details.
1: Yeah. I absolutely. So thank you for
0: supplying of... those.
1: Sure. I, and I absolutely think of it as that too, because that's what it is. It is right. the organ of communication in multiple ways. Uh okay. from you know, from and I think the more you study quantum biology, the more you understand that the basis of all of that is quantum,
0: right? Right. And so how does the fascia relate um, in re- in regards to our muscles? How do they work together?
1: Well, also you probably get more than one answer for this. Okay. <laughs> um, but in, in my world, in my view, um, yes. muscles are basically a part of fascia. So muscles are nested in fascia. Muscles are um, completely surrounded by and infused with fascia. Um, And um, muscles are tensioners. So to me, (laughs) in terms of movement, right? Muscles are tensioners uh, and they provide information and communication in terms of a relationship of tension and compression in the body. So now we're getting into the world of biotensegrity or fascia integrity, living tensegrity, um, you know, different for the same thing, <laughs> where you're you are one connected whole. That's all you have ever been. And this leads you into the studying of embryology and how we develop. Mm-hmm. Um and here is where also some people will um, will say, you know, even the name connective tissue is misleading because nothing actually connects to anything. You're just one whole integrated being and that's all you've ever been. Um, wow. <laughs> so languaging, you know, just like with, yes. with quantum biology. Yes, I'm getting
0: chills hearing you talk about it that way.
1: Yeah, yes. so just like quantum biology is a new paradigm and mm-hmm. it requires new language, Um, this idea is also the idea of biotech integrity or fasci integrity is a new paradigm of looking at connectivity in the body and and also requires new language and that gets hard right because you get stuck in old language trying to describe something that's a whole new way of viewing something yeah so
0: and even the questions i'm asking i'm asking them from a um, uncomp Compartmentalized view of like, what does the fascia do and what do the muscles do and how do they talk like and how are they connected as though they're separate things? And right, this view is that we're all just it's all one one one, one living one. <laughs> one living system. <laughs> That's it. Exactly. I love it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So. Getting back to you were sort of telling us your story of how um, you came to learn about fascia. So now I understand the um principles that you're working from. And okay. so where did so where did you go next?
1: So, uh, as I started to study fascia, um I basically got stuck a little bit because I was like, okay, Uh, you know my my first study of the body had been from a biomechanical point of view then I started to learn more about fascia and that level of connectivity for me personally and and other peers that I know um lead you into a place where you're like well that doesn't make sense anymore uh Mm -hmm. we can't be machines right there are no levers there are no uh so um so now what? <laughs> right. Um and so that led me actually to um the study of biotensegrity. Um some people say like I said fascia integrity, living tensegrity names for for the same concept of your one connected whole uh, based on relationships of tension and compression. Um
0: okay.
1: and uh the fascia is uh, really what, what that concept, um, is based on and is all about the more and more and more we learned about fascia and its different roles and its connectivity to everything. Um, the more that paradigm starts to make more sense. So, um, that study led me into, um, really changing the way I teach and the way I move and the way I think mm-hmm. <laughs> and right. And leads you down a million rabbit holes, just like starting to study quantum biology does. Um, and, uh, so through the help of, of different, um, mentors and things like that, and, and study, um, my own practice and my own teaching uh, evolved, I would say, into much more um, uh, of, uh, I'd say, now an intuitive movement practice. Um, okay. Just, just you know, the body knows, right? right? We have that innate wisdom, just like it can heal itself. Uh, it, it can. Well, I soon say, just like it's part of it, movement, intuitive movement is part of that innate knowledge the body has to heal itself and when we can get that intellectual mind we have about what's right and what's wrong out of the way and especially when we can do it in the frequencies of nature outside right when we're getting all that amazing information that we need that heals us that's when all the that's when all the fascia magic happens in terms of unwinding and, um, you know, healing scars, healing trauma in the body, healing adhesion, uh, you know, all those kinds of things, um, allowing yourself to return to integrity when your fascia mm. really has integrity, uh, mm. then, you know, it's all systems go, right. You're moving well, you're functioning well, all the communication is happening because there's nothing impeding the flow, mm-hmm. um, those kinds of things.
0: Wow, so interesting. Okay, so you have your dancer background, the Pilates background, and then you moved into the bio-tensegrity world. And so, what would it look like when you, when a client would come to you? What does it look like to, to work with this sort of intuitive movement? Like, what do you ask people to do? <laughs> <I'm> super curious. <laughs>
1: okay. Well, the first thing that I do is take a comprehensive history.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So in that way, it would be, um, you know, more like going to, uh, you know, I am not a medical professional, but it would right. be more like that, right? right. Hopefully.
0: hopefully, hopefully, yeah,
1: <laughs> where the, you're taking a comprehensive history because all anybody has ever done or been or or any of that is all part of who they are in that moment in front of you coming to you for a reason, for whatever reason has brought them there. So the history, um, is just tell me your story, you know, what has led you here. And, uh, then once I have some background, um, then through, you know, now I've been working as a movement specialist or some kind of movement teacher for over 30 years. So I think that's where experience comes into play. Um, I, basically just kind of decide on a beginning course of action. Um, and that might look like um, making a suggestion of a place to begin. Let's say, you know, let's have you come in and lie down on the ground. And um, I might suggest a beginning place to move or a beginning kind of a breath sequence combined with um, movement or something like that it's always going to involve um some kind of pushing or pulling push the ground away um you know if there are props i do have props i do still use some pilates equipment just not in a traditional way and um just based on what i'm seeing and um, the history I've taken a lot also in terms of body language and what hasn't been said will tell you a lot as well. Um, setting the person up in a, in a place that I believe um, will be helpful to them, imperatively will feel safe to them because they have to feel safe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then just start to make some gentle suggestions about how to begin movement like I said, it could just be breath It breath is movement. Um, mm. and and then we just kind of start and see where it takes them and see what their reaction to it is. Um, some you know, some people just roll with it and it's great. They're very um open and uninhibited. Other people, it's harder. you know, if there's a lot of trauma or things are stuck people uh, can have kind of a kinesthetic amnesia sort of a thing happen and just need a little more guidance sometimes. Um, So it really depends on the situation.
0: (laughs) Right. So (laughs) that's what's so interesting is I'm hearing that it's, and that's probably where the intuitive movement, the intuitive piece comes in. It's not a, a prescribed set of movements. It's you work with the person and see what their individual need is based on where they're at and what's, what you see happening. Yeah. It's a
1: hundred percent individual. And um, it's not that there aren't necessarily some movement sequences that I might do or, uh, or, you know, certain setups or things like that um, with equipment um, to help somebody get started or to initiate certain kinds of rotations and counter rotations within Mm -hmm. the body or, um, to sort of get, get things gliding a little bit in relation to other things. Um, but once we start somewhere, it's always going to be, where does this person take it from
0: here? Okay. And what is that going to lead us to next? Okay. So, yeah. So interesting. Okay. So you're, so you're based in this very, um, intuitive practice of movement and this this very holistic understanding of the body and the fascia and the muscles and who we are is who we've always been. I love that. That's so beautiful. Um, and then, and now you're sort of entered the paradigm of applied quantum biology. So we'll get into how the path that took you there in a, few, in, in a little bit. It's pretty crazy, but I just would like for now just to layer on, you mentioned, um, doing movement practices outside and, you know, the benefits of that. So tell us a little bit more about how you have expanded your already very holistic approach, how it's changed with this new paradigm.
1: Well, for me personally, it's that I'm outside every morning during UVA rise, Right here in this backyard, doing, uh, <laughs> doing my own intuitive movement practice. Um, so it, you know, in that case, I'm just out here, uh, y- you know, using maybe I might run down there and like climb that tree or <laughs> and and see what happens or sing, you know, uh, use the hill or something, y- you know, you just use your environment, right right um, And so, that it's always outside, that it's specifically during the time of UVA rise is something. Okay, so tell us why. For uh, well, that's because I learned this from taking your course and, <laughs> you know, Carrie and all all the great people involved in QVC and quantum biology um, because of all of the the, I like how Carrie calls it neurotransmitter magic that happens during UVA, okay. <laughs> where the signaling of the light tells our bodies all kinds of important things about uh, what chemistry to turn on and off during that time.
0: okay. So, yeah, so the UV so the UV light is sending signals to the body, and then the body's movement is creating signals within the body. And that it's all working together.
1: Exactly, and I remember taking from um, Carrie and her talking about how important she felt walking during I was mm-hmm. UVA Rise, excuse me was, um, and uh, but when I first started doing this, right, I couldn't walk, and right. so uh, I was just out here, you know, like wiggling <laughs> <Something> like that. <laughs> <laughs> And so that right. evolved, that evolved for me into my full intuitive movement practice being out here during new VA rise. And so I personally right. do that instead of the walking at that time,
0: but. Okay. Yeah. All right. So since it came up, let's, get, let's get into that. So, um, you were an intuitive movement specialist background in, in dance and fitness and biotense um, having a lovely life, contributing to humanity, (laughs) helping people heal. (laughs) Um, And then uh, just trying to think what words to use here. So uh, as part of the pandemic response, it was suggested that, uh, you know, it was suggested to most people or more strongly than suggested, I would say. Anyway, you ended up getting some injections. I did. Okay, so then tell us what happened.
1: So this would have been March and April, 2021. Mm -hmm. I got um, two. And uh, after the first one, I did have an adverse reaction. I had a lot of vertigo. And that, hap- that lasted for about two weeks. I was working with a naturopath at that time who put me on a protocol that was mm-hmm. supposed to help with any kind of reactants. Okay. And um, so, and, you know, these, these injections are supposed to be a month apart, right? So um, I went on the protocol for two weeks. I had terrible vertigo. And then uh, it seemed to me the protocol worked because I got better, and so now when I tell this story, I'm like, "What was I even thinking?"
0: I know. <laughs> but, I know.
1: Um, but so then I went ahead and did and did the second one a month later, and after yeah. that, for me, it was lights out. I had a horrible, horrible adverse reaction um, where the vertigo came back, and then a litany of other symptoms i suppose you could call them i really believe Mm -hmm. it's a syndrome um, because it causes uh so i think so much mitochondrial damage that everything just goes completely haywire Um, and that's what happened to me so that was in april of 2021 okay yeah
0: so then everything stopped right yeah yeah i mean your whole life stopped you you couldn't really move
1: no, i couldn't I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything. I could just lay there trying to find a position where i I didn't have terrible vertigo. Um, so I can give you a list of symptoms, which I always have to read because there's so many. I feel like I'll forget yeah, them. For I, feel sure. I wrote,
0: wrote them down, and this <laughs> happened like immediately. So it was like you you got you got your second shot, yeah. um, which, you know, we you were explicitly told would be okay yeah oh you know of course we all understand that um and then was it like that day the next day the next week like when did you start feeling
1: i think within uh within 24 hours i had terrible vertigo again so you know basically just boom and um then within a few days uh I had, um, all the things I'm going to tell you. Okay. And then they actually continued to get worse for about the course of a year. Um, and I had some, um, you know, some things that would get a little bit better and then something else would get worse and then it would kind of switch around and stuff like that. But then for the course, basically the next year, um, I had all of these, all of these things happening. All right. So, um, I had chest pain, Right, very common. Mm-hmm. I had chest pain and I went to the ER actually. Um, they determined I wasn't having a heart attack or a stroke, and then they sent me home. Um, continuous vertigo. I had a lot of fevers, terrible nausea, which also comes with vertigo. Um, wow. I had excruciating headaches. And along with that, this heaviness like your head just weighs a million pounds.
0: Wow.
1: Um okay. I had chronic nerve joint and connective tissue pain. I mean, to me, those aren't separate things, but right. you know, we have to have a language. So yeah. um, I had internal tremoring. So that's where inside you kind of feel like, like when your cell phone vibrates. Yeah. But, but it's but inside your body? inside your body. Yeah. Oh my god. And it's just okay. constant, constant like, you know, I'm doing this but it doesn't necessarily show on the outside but you feel it inside. Um then I had incapacitating brain fog, couldn't think at all. Um debilitating fatigue, so you're so tired it would be like your house is on fire, you can't get yourself up and out the door to save your life. Like that's how tired you are. Um Wow. then I had neurological changes um so like acquired um acquired um TBI
0: basically and uh wow so you had so, the the symptoms of TBI even yeah. though you didn't hit your right. head right exactly.
1: right exactly so I have vision impairment couldn't think cognitive regression speech impairment like couldn't talk couldn't find words um And then I had histamine pathology all the time, hives, rashes, all different kinds of things. Um, And then finally, on top of all of that, I ended up with an autoimmune diagnosis. I had antibodies that looked like lupus under the microscope.
0: Oh, my God. It's like your entire body went into chaos.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly what happens so it's like not just one thing happens to you but all systems go haywire i think now that i can look back on it and have the quantum biology lens to look through uh like we were saying before i just think your mitochondria are um, so affected by it that you know there's there's no um not no but there's very incorrect i guess you could say i don't know I'm struggling for language this Crowd knows what I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not good things are happening for you. Your yes. Yes. <laughs> so and you don't have enough redox, right? Obviously,
0: yeah.
1: Or it wouldn't be happening.
0: So right. Yeah. And and redox, generally speaking, would be sort of like our mitochondria's ability to keep itself healthy. Like a right. very simple way I to put it.
1: Think, Yeah. I mean, I think, um, certainly there's, there's obviously not enough net negative charge happening, you know, in the body or this response wouldn't happen.
0: So, right. Yeah. That is absolutely. I mean, I've heard, I've heard you tell this story before and I'm still, I'm like, oh my God, this is, (laughs) this is extreme. You had like, yeah, sort of every single system in your body basically started freaking out.
1: It did. Absolutely. And even though I had a terrible response to it and was sick for a very, very long time. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's people who had it much worse. Right. And who had things like strokes happen and heart attacks happen. Right. And I mean, just.
0: Yeah. So. Right. So yours is your situation is interesting in that it wasn't like a one crisis event like that. In those situations, right. it was just like an ongoing systems failure. Exactly. Systems chaos. It sounds more like, like symptoms and all these things for things that you don't have. And
1: yeah, yeah. For me, I felt like, you know, I would read about other things, um, in, in vaccine injury groups. Um, I would, you know, read about other people's experiences and stuff, people who had some Unfortunately, you know, very big traumatic events happened to them. And I would kind of feel like I had a toe in all of those waters. Yeah. Like every single one of those waters, but I it didn't my body like didn't dive all the way into one. Yeah. Just kind of That's what it sounds like. It's like
0: them. a buffet of every single yeah. <laughs> possible adverse reaction and like a little bit of right. each. Exactly. Yeah. That's how I felt. Wow. So. Okay, so so you're somebody who was seeing a naturopath who works in a holistic healing modality. So what was, it, you know, how did you start? You know, and I also know from knowing you, they're like extremely diligent and proactive. So tell us what, what the next steps were.
1: So the next steps with that were um, basically cabinet fulls of supplements and, um, Some medication, you know, for the vertigo, I tried meclizine, didn't do anything, nothing. Um, And then uh, just, I mean, bucket loads of supplements, like trying to, you know, right, all the different vitamins. And I I mean, I can't even name them all. Just there were so many (laughs) to the point where, you know, it's like you're taking you're taking something for every single thing that I just listed to you. You're taking at least one thing, if not more things to try right. and address every single one of those symptoms, right. right? So in a way, it's still a reductionist view. Because yes. it's like, okay, for vertigo, we're going to do this. For, yes. for the headaches,
0: we're going to try right? You're still treating the so, symptom.
1: Right. Yeah. And so I ended up, having to take so many things in a day that I couldn't take them up because I didn't feel well enough to get all of that down. And yeah. I also felt like, I mean, it was so many capsules. It yeah. was so
0: many, God.
1: <laughs> like a bowl full of capsules that I had to try to get through, you know, in multiple yeah. times in a day. If you're supposed to be taking, you know, take this one three times a day yeah. and take that one twice a day. And then um and stuff. And and I As diligent as I tried to be, I often failed to get them all down just because I felt like such crap. And I just, I couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so, like I said, I mean, I I had a little bit of, you know, some things would get a little better and then something Mm -hmm. else would get a little worse. And, um, but it was that I was constantly very ill and, you know, too, too ill to work, too couldn't really live, right? I mean, you're j- mm-hmm. literally just laying there like a blob trying to find a place where you're less miserable. So, mm-hmm. uh, and that's just day after day after day after day. So, and and you think to yourself, oh, okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll, let's see how it is in a week. Well, the week goes by. Okay, another week, another week. Yeah. And the next thing you know, you know, five months have gone by and you're like, ah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> this is not getting better.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um and I know, you know, there are some things that I didn't try that uh like, you know, low-dose naltrexone was um suggested to me mm-hmm. and I know a lot of people uh I think have had have had success with that I personally just didn't want to do that I didn't want to do anything having to do with any kind of steroid or anything like that I know it's supposed to be you know I know how that it's supposed supposed to be and can be very good that was just my personal choice I didn't want to um okay but other than that you know I tried everything that was suggested to me. (laughs) Right.
0: Okay. And then you get to that place that anyone who's had uh, a mystery chronic illness knows very well, which is like, I've tried everything that I know of in the world that I'm willing to try. And I'm not really making a lot of progress. And it's a, it's a tough place. Yeah. And somehow... (sighs) So, okay. So how did you, how did you work through that part of it?
1: Well, uh, I had to have been scrolling on Instagram (laughs) (laughs) because I found Carrie's Instagram account.
0: Okay. So that's Carrie B. Wellness for anyone listening.
1: Yes. Carrie Bennett, um, Carrie B. Wellness and started reading that. And because of the study that I'd already been doing into fascia and into living tensegrity, it made sense to me right away. I was like, oh yeah, oh yes,
0: right. You're like, <laughs> this of resonates. Of course, yes. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, and, and, so yeah I, and
0: Carrie talks beautifully about fascia and
1: it does she from the yeah. quantum
0: perspective, yeah. Okay.
1: Right, yeah. Um, and I think too, just when you, when you start reading about it or you start, um, learning about it, uh, because, you know, from her, I found from her account, actually, I found quantum health TV. So then I joined, um, quantum health TV, found you guys and started listening to all those videos. And I was like, This makes perfect
0: sense. Right.
1: (laughs) In fact, I remember listening to Dr. Cruz's one about food turning into light, and it's like a light show in your, you know, in your gut. And I was like, (laughs) 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 I remember that very clearly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, just made so much sense. So I thought, well, I have to just learn more about this because, uh, you know, and how do I apply these ideas and stuff like that? So, um, so the very first thing I did was take a workshop from Carrie, mm-hmm. um, and then Carrie and Corey, cause they were doing workshops together, um, So I took uh, a few of those and like I said, I, I listened to everything on, on quantum health TV. Um, and, uh, at the same time or not the same, but a very similar time, I also found Veda Austin who has a water crystallography technique. And, uh, that also goes perfectly with, with quantum ideas. Um, yes.
0: Yeah. And, her work is uh, so amazing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so through both of those things, I basically started into quantum protocols and, um, started a, uh, started basically making my own frequency medicine using Veda's crystallography technique.
0: Um, okay. All and, right. so let's, uh, I just want to break that down a little. So you, you say quantum health strategies, just give yeah. us a quick overview of what you mean by that.
1: So this was, so at this time I still couldn't walk, but I knew I had to get outside for sunrise, UVA rise, UVB rise, and sunset. So my husband carried me out here and uh, he would actually make me a little nest. Like he would put pillows and little blankets right here and uh, just carry me out here. (laughs) And uh, I would have my feet on the ground my hands on the ground. Um, and I would just lay here for hours. So, uh, you know, so at first, right, I would have to set my alarm for sunrise and come out. And then I would be out here for, I, I don't know, probably 15 or 20 minutes. Um, you know, there are some other things I knew about already too, through the study of fascia. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, just frequency and things like that, which are, you know, how effective breathing exercises can be, how effective humming can be, right. Um, that you want to try to move any way that you can.
0: Um, So the humming is effective because it's a form of movement for your body. It's a form of
1: movement and it's also a form of frequency, right. Yeah. Uh, and so So it's like a, like a
0: self-generated healing frequency.
1: Yeah. Self-generated healing frequency. It's a vibration, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so it's creating oscillation. Uh, it's stimulating the vagus nerves. Um, yeah, it's doing all kinds of great things. It's, it's releasing nitric oxide. It's doing all of these, you know, vasodilating and, and doing all kinds of good things. Um, the other thing I haven't mentioned yet is that I'm a student of an energy medicine called Jin Shin Jitsu, mm-hmm. which is a touch practice. You could liken it to acupuncture, but it's with your own hands okay. or a practitioner's hands. And so what's lovely about that is you take it with you anywhere you go. So it's a self-help modality. Mm. So, um so let's say you go to a Jitsu Jin practitioner and they help to determine kind of what you need help with energetically, what kind of flows you need. Yeah. There's always going to be a self-help practice that you can do, um, that, you know, they can show you what to do. Um, and then the more you study it, the more you can be self-determining about those kinds of things. Um, and uh so that's something that I would do as well is um you know whatever flows were being determined that I needed help with most at the time. Um that's something that I would try to do okay. outside also. So I was holding the Jin flow, humming. Yes, <laughs> you know and being outside and in the early outside.
0: in the early morning light. Right. Having exactly. all those frequencies sort of set your hormonal right. processes and your circadian rhythm and all the rest of it.
1: Exactly. And then okay. so then he would bring me back in. I would come back out for UVA, do the same thing at that point, because that's all I could do. Um, same oh. thing for UVB, because I want to say when I first found Carrie, it was it must have already been when UVB was here in my latitude, because I live north, and so yeah. there's not always UVB. Right. Um and then um do the same thing around the sunset hour. So instead of just being a blob inside, <laughs> you know, uh trying to find a place, you know, just to have some level of of comfort or life yeah. or whatever. Um, I was like, well, might as well just do that outside. Do it so outside. Yeah. yeah. So I started doing it outside and um And that ended up working, that ended up changing everything. Wow. So, so what was that
0: trajectory like? So the key, so the key change that you made was to, I guess you, you also like got rid of all the artificial light in your house after, after sunset and then put your physical body in the natural light during the day. Yeah. So so what started to happen? I would say
1: um, that slowly, slowly, um, but surely um, the symptoms started to lessen. Okay. So it wasn't, you know, it's not like go outside and do this for a week and bam, <laughs> you'll be better. <laughs> um, but it's you do it consistently every single day you do the best you can with it um like you talked about you also do all the things to protect the rhythm that you're in training with your lifestyle inside and um then slowly but surely like I was saying things start to things started to improve And one of the big things that actually also helped my vertigo improved was shin jutsu. It was being able to go to my practitioner again. And there's a specific flow. It's actually called the dizzy flow. And uh, once I was able to get into her and have the dizzy flow um, a few times, um, that made a major difference in terms of how much vertigo that I was dealing with. But to to me, all of these things were coming together because they were all starting to happen at the same time, right? So I think the efficacy of, of those kinds of modalities is increased if you're also living a circadian life.
0: Right, yes, absolutely. So it's like getting the circadian rhythms aligned Getting some charge back in your body gave you enough energy to be able to go back to the practitioner, which helped alleviate some of the other symptoms. That modality helped with the dizziness, which gave you more energy to. So you're you're on more of a virtuous feedback loop than a exactly downward spiral.
1: Right, and the other thing that I personally did was go off everything else I was taking. Because I wanted to have a baseline of what could my body do for itself on its own. So I stopped all my supplementation and just said, I want to see what happens um, in terms of being outside. Light, grounding, right? Uh, All of those frequencies. And like you had mentioned, um, doing everything I could inside as well. you know, Wi-Fi off, change all the light bulbs, um, blue light blockers, uh, turn on my yeah. screens red, <laughs> right? Pull uh, my bed further from the wall. Um, we lifted the the head of our bed too by a little bit, put furniture risers under them. That helps with glymphatic flow, mm. um, which you know, is part of what's happening in the repair processes at night. So we did that. Um, you know, put my, put my devices in airplane mode most of the time. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what else, you know, just all the things, just all the things. Yeah. Yeah. The windows open constantly. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, basically never turned our lights on, even though we now only have incandescent pulses (laughs) in our house, Uh, that kind of thing. Um, And, uh, you know, candlelight at night, right? That kind of stuff. So I just went all in because I thought, you know, you can't, you have to, I think for it to really have the benefit. Yeah. uh, And when you're very, very sick, I think... you're either going to make a full commitment to it and do it and see what happens, or you're not going to really know. So.
0: Yeah. Yes. And your, your commitment is, was full on. And it's, you know, it's so interesting to me that you had the commitment, but also the patience to give it time to work. And it sounds to me like you created a living environment for yourself that was conducive to your healing as opposed to a living environment that was adding any extra layers of stress that your body needed to fight against.
1: Right, absolutely. When I think part of having the patience is from what I do, I understand that change takes time.
0: Right.
1: Especially working with fascia. You know, fascia change is it's lower and it's different than muscle. You know, we can change muscle pretty quickly, right? You can change yeah. muscle fiber pretty fast. Yeah. Um, but changing the fascia, even though it has longer lasting benefit takes longer you know right. take you know you can be looking at 6 months to 2 years to really right. bring on um long lasting change in terms right. of the structure of your fascia so
0: uh and what do I know you do differently to restructure fascia compared to say building up muscle
1: um well you know, you can build up muscle. Like uh, all you really have to do is pick up a dumbbell, <laughs> yeah, right. That you yeah, feel like is kind of lift, heavy some, lift and, <laughs>
0: something heavy, and your muscle will, well, like get, will you know form. I mean? Yeah,
1: and it's not going to take you very long to see the muscle fiber change.
0: Yeah,
1: right. And to to see that you've added more protein into that tissue, basically, right? Right. So that you've enlarged it. Okay. Um, uh, but in doing that, at least in my world, um, I mean, that's all you've done. You've just made it, you know, you made it bigger and you've made it, um, a more, a little more of a tensioner. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but in order for your facet to really change, that's about patterning, right? That's about changing the patterning of how you move and the habits, um, that you're, that your body has developed over time, right? Over the whole time that you've been you. So from the very moment you began to develop um, and all the things that go into the patterns that we develop in terms of how we move and how our bodies are held together and that kind of a thing. Um, And so what that repatterning looks like is uh first of all that it takes time because it took you time to get there so it's going to take you time to um kind of unlearn certain patterns and then potentially relearn in a different way um and so i would say it takes time and it takes um you could say repetition it is repetition in a certain way mm-hmm. um but the movements itself aren't necessarily repetitive, right? So uh, yes,
0: yeah. so consistency, yeah. even consistency, if it's
1: like, yeah. right? And 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 with what I do, it's all about rotation, rotation and counter rotation. We're round beings, we're toruses, you know, yeah, the geometry
0: <laughs> of okay. a torus.
1: Um, we're basically so that's a the, donor. where it's
0: like hollow in the middle and then it comes out around exactly. Combating at articulating shapes but okay that's right yes. correct and so, so implosion
1: explosion implosion explosion right all of that and um i mean we're the, our gut tube is you could think of a donut that's the gut tube is the hole okay mm-hmm. and we're just one connected thing around that tube It looks like we have levers and it looks like we have, you know, we call them appendages or whatever, but Mm -hmm. we're not, we're, we're just one round thing, (laughs) right? Right? We're one round thing. And, um, that is in constant communication, uh, with our internal and external environments and within the roundness of us are all of these other spiraling roundnesses that, um, rotate right and counter glide and um when those have an appropriate uh relationship of tension and compression Mm -hmm. you have integrity in the structure okay okay and so they basically the donut holds itself the way that it was meant to okay okay um if you have some kind of inappropriate relationship of tension and compression happening Mm Then um, you could call it, you know, a deflation, maybe, or something like that. Right? There's some. Right. There's, there's something happening in the structure um, where it's not as like popped out or propped up as it should be. Uh, and so those are the kinds of things that that um, I address in my
0: in what I do. Okay, so. and that is when you talk about the integrity of the fascia or restructuring the fascia. We're looking at exactly. that whole thing. Right. And so and then yeah, now it makes a lot of sense to me how you were able to hold that those principles in mind for your mitochondria. Exactly. And give yeah. them enough time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To give reorient them themselves <laughs> in a supportive environment with healthy exactly. light and healthy grounding and
1: right. And I think right you know, through my own like healing of previous injuries and just so many years of working with so many different kinds of bodies and so many different people, um, you know, a healing journey, it's like that, right? Yes. I
0: mean, you're you yes. know,
1: you're getting better, but it's, <laughs> yeah. it's not linear in any way, right? It's no. just...
0: <laughs> yeah, we're going around the mountain. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: right? And there can be times where you sort of feel like and then a yeah. little bit you're like oh okay so um yes. you just got to hang in there you just keep doing keep doing and doing and doing and have some faith you know so but i think that at that point too it's like any um anything that makes you feel just like like anything is improving is so exciting yeah. after so long of just nothing happening Yes. So, and I can remember even before um, I found anything about quantum health, just anytime that it was really nice outside, I would be like, take me outside. I want to go outside. I mean, the instinct is there for a reason, right? Yes. Yes. Especially when the sun is shining and it's a beautiful day, all we want to do is go outside. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, our bodies know.
0: They're like, we're craving that. Yeah. Right. I did. I was talking to um Laura Kissman on a podcast and she was saying, yeah, before she knew anything about anything, there was one time that she just she went like cross-country skiing in her bikini. She just like, mm-hmm. she just like, I just had this urge to like have as much as my body in the sun as possible. Right? <laughs> yeah.
1: It's, I think all of us do, especially when it's beautiful out. Like I mean, there's, we have that built in and the one, once you start to learn more about biology, you're like, oh, well, duh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 right. Just like, we, duh, in big letters. We evolved. We evolved. <laughs> As beings of light, (laughs) under light, (laughs) in light, and darkness. Yeah.
1: Right. But when you're not, you know, necessarily um, immersed in that, it's just, okay, um, if we believe in intuition at all, right, there's Hmm. got to be a reason why when weather is like this, uh, you know, like I'm having a beautiful day here today, all anyone wants to do is, you know not go to work not do anything just grab their bathing suit and run outside yes <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes it's yeah. all the cells in our body calling
1: <laughs> right
0: calling us home
1: right right and i i've been wondering about this too you know that so many people now are are living a life unfortunately that's so deprived of those natural frequencies mm-hmm. um and we hear a lot about people end up afraid of the sun, right? Because what do they do? They don't They don't really think that you have to be smart about sun exposure necessarily. Yeah. Um, when you're talking about no sunscreen, no sunglasses, all of those things. And they're following their instinct in a way when they mm-hmm. go on vacation or something, or it's a nice day. And then they run outside for hours at the brightest time of day. You know, in a way, their instinct is pulling them out there, but it, but because of the lifestyle, they're so unprepared for all of that information, right? Yeah. Then it's leading, you know, into them burning and right, all the stuff that we know about. But that's unfortunate.
0: Yeah. Like, and that is also a good point for someone who's new to this listening is yes there is a, a safe way to to go outside starting in the morning and not you know yeah not putting virgin skin in the noonday sun right exposing it to the infrared in the morning and you know building up building up a tolerance and right yeah not eating processed food and then drinking a bunch of alcohol and going in the sun all these things right play a role for sure I'm sorry
1: though because I'm excited
0: about it so I wiggle around oh so amazing so do you have any like any final thoughts Rachel is like to wrap up this story and I'd love I think we'll have to do like a whole other podcast on the crystallography (laughs) I I want to go down that rabbit hole but I feel like we've covered a lot of ground um so uh, we'll save that for for a part two um yeah, I I'd would, love to explore that. So, yeah,
1: I would just say because um, you know what happened to me was um, I had had that diagnosis of autoimmune. Yeah, and I worked with all of these different things for about a year and a half. Yeah, and when I had another blood test, um, those autoimmune antibodies were gone. They were negative, so that gave me some kind of. Oh, congratulations, uh, like, Thank you. Yeah. That gave me some some right. Even though I knew I was much better because I just felt so much better, yes, and I could do so much more. But that gave me something quantifiable, you know nice to yeah. get that
0: that hard evidence. Right. So from, so just to, just to wrap it up. So, so everyone understands, cause I did a social media post about this and everyone was like, how long did it take? How long did it take? Well, i like, yes. okay. yeah. All right. So, <laughs> so you went from having a kaleidoscope of chaotic uh, autoimmune situ- reactions that were not progressing in a good direction. And right. it was, we, so you're so you're switched from the sort of a supplement approach to a light approach, a light and water approach, light water magnetism. And then it, so it was about a few months. So the, like the results, so you started to know, to know that you were going in the right direction. I'm just going to sum up and you tell me if I'm, so you felt like you're headed in the right direction. So you stuck with it. It gave you enough energy to start trying other things. Which gave you enough energy to keep going in that direction, and so it was about a year and a half. Where would you say you feel like yourself again, or are there is there residue from this experience?
1: Uh, that's a great question. I would say um, yes to both those things. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I feel like myself, and actually, to be honest, in a lot of ways, I think I feel better. I feel wow. better than I did before. Um, wow. But there is some residue, and I would say that those things are mostly neurological. Okay, and um, it's one of those things where I really feel like whatever this does is it's very sticky, it's very Mm. stubborn and determined to try and stay in you, right, and stay with you somehow. Um, And so I think just you just have to keep at it and keep at it just keep doing the protocols because that is what is that's what healed me in the first place and that in my mind is what's going to continue to heal me yes and every time I talk to you my
0: dogs start barking (laughs) hi guys (laughs) you join the podcast too
1: (laughs) um and so uh Like last time I talked, we were talking was the second Mm -hmm. spike protein special that Mm -hmm. you guys did. And at that particular time, I was feeling like I was having a little bit more like neurological stickiness. Um, Mm -hmm. It's been a little bit since then. And I'm feeling better with a lot of that. And I actually think part of it is, you know, we're coming into summer here. The sun is stronger, right? All of those things I think are making a difference. So, but I do think that um, with this particular injection situation, um, mm-hmm. it, um, I don't know if I should say this, but I guess I will anyway. It feels to me <laughs> like the intention was to make it stick and uh, and it it takes a lot of diligence to 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 get it to let go, to keep that from
0: continually happening. Okay, like to at some point move out of your system, whatever is in there that's
1: right. Continuing
0: yeah, continuing to cause problems.
1: Yeah, yes, but I I also believe nothing is going to overpower nature. Yeah. So <laughs> no matter what, no matter what the hubris of humans tries yes.
0: to do <laughs> um, I know we're so dumb tries to,
1: <laughs> yeah tries to destroy or try or whatever you want to call it right um yeah. nature will always win in the end so
0: beautiful yeah <laughs> well so that, yes. I just you know
1: get out there and, out and there. let all of let all of those frequencies do what they're supposed to do. Your body does remember that. Don't, don't think it does. It does. It does.
0: We'll go outside and hum in the sun. Exactly.
1: (laughs) You know, bounce around. And if you can't
0: bounce around, this is how I started
1: Wiggling your fingers. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: So Rachel, thank you so much for sharing this story. Um, and thank you so much for for being the person that you are to come through this and, um, share the wisdom that you learned and give other people who are struggling with autoimmune situations from whatever the cause may be to some hope. Cause it's tough. It's, there's so many things happening now and there's just not a lot of answers. So yeah, to hear someone who found some, who found them and can, and that's the other thing is like where there are answers. Sometimes it's, it's subtle and gradual. Absolutely. Appreciate that perspective of yours. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. It's beautiful. And I look forward to part two.
0: (laughs) Only two. Get into your water healing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, I could talk about any of this all day, but especially the water. I love the water. So, (laughs) okay.
0: Well, we'll get that on the book. So, everyone, look out for part two of this interview. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you. This has been the Quantum Biology Collective podcast. To find a practitioner who practices from this point of view, visit our directory at quantumbiologycollective.org. If you are a practitioner, definitely take a look at the Applied Quantum Biology Certification, a six-week study of the science of the new human health paradigm and its practical application with your patients and clients. We also love to feature graduates of the program on this very podcast. Until next time, the QBC.